Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians, but i got to say this first. Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day. He is risen. He is risen risen indeed. Today is seen as one of the two most sacred days of the calendar going back for hundreds, hundreds of years, over a century. There's two days. There's Christmas and there's Easter. We celebrate both. Every day of the year, I do. I know many Christians do too. The birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And there is overwhelming proof that he was born, overwhelming proof that he lived, overwhelming proof that he died, and the most overwhelming proof that he rose again. The father of Alexander the Great was born in 382 B.C., and he died in 336 B.C. He was assassinated. His name was Emperor Philip of Macedon. And he had a special request. He had a slave that every morning, that slave's job was to go to him and say these words. By his divine decree, by his imperial order, Philip, you too will die. That's all that job, the job of that slave, that was all it was, just to go in and remind Philip of his immortality and his one day coming death. See, he wanted to be reminded that he would not live forever and that he should do today what he could do today because tomorrow's not guaranteed. I thought, man, you know, that's a great reminder. I mean, all of us know in the back of our mind that tomorrow is not guaranteed. We know that the next minute is not guaranteed. Can anyone here, has anyone here ever predicted the death of a loved one, ever predicted the death of themselves? Like, you know what, on uh, Thursday, March 3rd of 2042, I'm going to just stop breathing and then I'm going to be with Jesus. That's ridiculous. But the fact that tomorrow, even our next breath is not guaranteed, that should create a sense of conflict within us. Our creator is the one that appointed our days. Ecclesiastes 3.2, Hebrews 9.27, and Job 4.5 say these. Ecclesiastes, a time to be born and a time to die. Hebrews 9.27, just as is it appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Job 14.5, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, you have appointed the limits that he cannot pass. I think it's not only amazing but miraculous that Jesus was born at the exact moment prophesied and foretold. An eternity passed, but the first time ever written and ever said was in Genesis 3. And I think it's also amazing and miraculous that he gave up his life. He wasn't murdered. Jesus was not murdered on that cross. People did not take his life from him. He gave up his life willingly. In fact, the moment that he took his last breath was when the Passover lamb was being slaughtered in the temple. How symbolic. 
And his cousin, John the Baptist, is the one that pointed at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was, is, will always be our Passover lamb. And I think that's pretty cool. As Pastor Russ shared Thursday night, how many are extremely glad that you don't have to bring a beloved pet to hear the church to be slaughtered on your behalf? I'm extremely glad. We have a white dog, but that dog is not without blemish. It is not without sin. Some days I'm like, can we do that? <laughs> no. None of us know when we're going to take our last breath, but our Lord did. He didn't stay dead, amen? I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 57. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's word here. Paul is writing this to the church of Corinth. That church was pretty jacked up. They had a lot of issues going on. That's why there's two letters. <laughs> this is what Paul tells them, though. I tell you this, brothers, I tell you this, sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the imperishable, and, and when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But God, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated. There is one person that came here to live. The life needed to save us from sin, death, and hell knowing that he came here to die for our sins and the sins of all of us, knowing and planning the exact moment that he would die and why at that moment, rising again from the dead, defeating sin, death, Satan, hell, in one fell swoop, offering the gift of eternal life to all that might put their faith and their trust in his work on the cross and his defeat over sin, death, Satan, and hell including all those who would put their faith in him in his eternal victory. I've already given the name of who this is. This is our Savior, Jesus. If you haven't put your faith and trust in him as your Savior, may today be your day. And may today you have your own resurrection story. With every good news, there must be bad news. Here's the bad news. We were born enemies of God. Because of the sin of our original parents, Adam and Eve. In fact, the word sin in the Greek is kata. That means to miss the mark. And because we missed the mark, because we were born with sin, there's this uncrossable chasm that's been between us in God. We got no strength, we got no merit, we have no ability to even try 
and get over to where God is. We got nothing to do to be able to change our condition or our position. But God, while we are still enemies of God, Jesus Christ died for us. Some of you might have heard the three different terms of sin that are used in the Bible. There's iniquity, there's transgression, and there's sin. Iniquity means behavior that's crooked. The psalmist uses this word a lot. Forgive my iniquities, O Lord. There's transgressions. That's in the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who trespass. That's breaking trust. And then there's sin, missing the mark. And that's actually an archery term. Whenever someone, whenever an archer would get up, bend back the bow, and let fly the arrow, if it didn't go in the mark, they sinned if they didn't get a target. And as Janet and I, there's uh, one of our favorite pastors, and no, he is not above our standing with Pastor Russ. <laughs> Still a favorite. His name's J.D. Farag, and he's out of Hawaii. And he says this phrase, and I love it, the badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news is. Amen? Here's our good news, guys. Jesus' death and resurrection was foretold in the very beginning of creation. Genesis 3. God creates, creation creates man within the first six days. He takes a rest on the seventh. And then he says, you know what? It's not good that man's alone. Causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep, takes a rib out of him, creates Eve. Then he sings a song, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, and he sings this whole song that no one knows the melody to. Except for me, yeah. And then the four worst words ever spoken in history are said by the devil in the form of a serpent. Did God really say? And that creates the doubt, which creates the opportunity for not only Eve, but for Adam to say, yeah, God's holding out on me. He made a mistake when he created that knowledge of good and evil tree. And he doesn't want to let us know that he made a mistake, so he just says, stay away from it, because it's not good. And then the curses come out. Curses the woman, curses the man, curses creation. Then he curses the serpent and Satan. And here's where the gospel is preached here. First time in Genesis 3, guys. When God says to the serpent, the woman's seed is going to crush the head of your seed. And all you're going to be able to do is nip him in the heel. So you're biting of the heel of the man. That's not fatal, but the crushing of your head will be. So when Jesus hung on that cross, that was Satan nipping the heel of, of Jesus. And then that resurrection, that was the crushing of the head of the serpent, crushing the head of our enemy for eternity, guys. And that is rejoice right there. As I said, Jesus wasn't murdered. He gave up his life. His very name means salvation. He will save his people from their sins. And it's already been said, he gave up his spirit at that exact moment when the priest in the temple was slaughtering that lamb. 
the Passover lamb. His shed blood was the purchase for our souls. That was what purchased our freedom from sin, death, and hell. Got another question here for you. Have you been given your own resurrection story? In the Gospels, we see four different times, one time in each book. They all go through this. We're going to look at four different times here. We see Jesus preparing his disciples for his death. And not only for his death, but more importantly, for his resurrection. He kept telling them. Matthew 16, 21 through 25, Jesus foretells of his death the first time. He rebukes Peter. And he explains that those who give up their life for Jesus will find eternal life. It's a little dichotomy there. Wait, I gotta die to find eternal life? Yeah, we do. Mark 9, 30 through 32, Jesus is teaching his disciples again, foretells of his death the second time, and they still don't understand, but they're kind of afraid to ask. They're like, he's talking about dying again and talking about three days later. What does that mean? I don't know. What does that mean? Ask him. I'm not going to ask him. You ask him. I'm not going to ask him. Jesus is still keeping the knowledge of that away from them, purposely. Luke 18, 31 through 34, Jesus foretells the death the third time. And his disciples still don't understand. They're thinking of Jesus setting up his kingdom now, in their days. When they're saying that, they thought that he was the promised coming Messiah to set up the earthly kingdom right here, right now, in Jerusalem, with them reigning with him physically. Kicking out Rome, the Roman occupiers, sending Rome to the curb. So I think that's part of their confusion because they're looking for the here and now and Jesus kept talking about the coming kingdom of God. And the fact that Jesus had to suffer and die was still hidden from them. John 16, 32 through 33, Jesus tells them, the time will come when you will be scattered, each to his own home and you will leave me alone. That was his prediction. When he gets arrested in the garden, the whole illegal trial, his whole abuse, his whole torture. And what happened? They all said, no, no, we're with you, man. We're with you till the end. Even if, Jesus, Peter said, even if I have to die with you or go to prison with you, I will not leave you. Jesus doesn't exaggerate. They all take off. Jesus says, yet I am not alone for the Father is with me. Yeah, they deserted him, just as in prophesied in Zechariah 13, verse 7. And in John 16, 33, Jesus gives the but God hope here. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, you'll have suffering, you'll have hardships, you will have sorrow. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And that's before he gave up his life. He's already giving the gospel to them. He is preaching the gospel to them each and every day of those three and a half years. And then the unspeakable happens. Their hero dies. They see their hero get beat up. They get the, see their hero get his flesh ripped off his back by that cat of nine tails. They see him unrecognizable. 
And then they see him give up his breath. And then they see the spear enter his side and the blood and the water flow out. They see their hero die on the cross and all their hopes with him. I've experienced loved ones passing away. I'm sure every single person here in this room in the overflow watching online have experienced the passing of a loved one. And the glorious thing is, if they had Jesus as their Savior, they're in his presence immediately. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, the Apostle Paul says. And those of us who have Jesus as Savior, we will be reunited with them someday. Amen. And if the Lord comes and he calls us home before that, if we get raptured before that, there's a whole slew of things that happen in that twinkling of an eye. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, going back a couple verses here, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at that last trumpet. So when the Bible talks, and again, there's no, the rapture, the word rapture does not appear in the Bible. But in the Greek, it's harpazo. And in Latin, it's raptural. It means to be caught up, be caught away. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Anyone know how fast the twinkling of an eye is? I had to look it up a number of years ago because we were teaching on the rapture. All this happens. Trumpet sounds. Jesus says, come up here. The dead in Christ rise first. And then we, who are still alive, are caught up. All in the twinkling of an eye. And that means simply this, in scientific phrases. And I'm not science guy, so this is how I understand it. But the, the time it takes for light to enter your eye, the back of your eye receive it and bounce it back out so you can actually see. It goes, ding, ding, ding. That's the twinkling of an eye without the sound effects. <laughs> That's the twinkling of an eye. So the, it, what is that, a quadrillionth of a second it takes for it to happen? Trumpet's going to be blown. Jesus says, come up here. The dead in Christ go first, and then we follow, and we all meet him in the air that fast, guys. It's going to be amazing. And I'm not a real big fan of heights, but at that point, I'm going to have a new glorified body. I'm not going to be worried about heights. Praise God. <laughs> so because Jesus defeated sin, death, hell, and Satan forever, you can be included in that victory. You need to be included in that victory. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead can live in you. Have you been given your very own resurrection story? Just like Lazarus, four days being dead in the tomb. Did he have any choice to come out on his own choice, his own volition? After three and a half days, maybe four days, he's like, man, his bandages are kind of tight. I need to move around some. I'm just going to get up and freak everyone out. No. A dead person cannot respond to anything. But God, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 and 4 and 5 say this, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. 
my two favorite words in the Bible. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. When Jesus stands at the foot of your tomb, at the foot of your grave, like he did to me, and say, Dave Cott, come forth. I cannot help but respond. That is my creator calling me from death into life in Jesus Christ. And I respond, and I am given new life in Christ. I'm given his robe of righteousness. He takes off my sinful, dirty rags. So that when I stand before God the Father, he doesn't see Dave Cott's sins. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ and the robe of Jesus Christ sitting on and laying on me. And he says, that's the new Dave. And that can be you today. As we close this out, there's a song by a band named Petra in the 80s. They had a song called Grave Robber. Check this out. There's a step that we all take alone, an appointment we have with the great unknown, like a vapor this life is just waiting to pass, like the flowers that fade, like the withering grass, but life seems so long and death so complete, and the grave an impossible portion to cheat. But there's one who has been there and still lives to tell. There is one who has been through both heaven and hell. And the grave will come up empty-handed that day. Jesus will come and steal us away. Where is the victory? Where is the bite when the grave robber comes like a thief in the night? Where is the victory? Where is the prize? And the grave robber comes and death finally dies. Many still mourn and many still weep. For those that they love who have fallen asleep. But we have this hope though our hearts may still ache. Just one shout from above and they all will awake. And in the reunion of joy we will see death will be swallowed in sweet victory. Where is the sting? Tell me, where is the bite when the grave robber comes like a thief in the night? Where is the victory? Where is the prize when the grave robber comes and death finally dies? When the last enemy is done, from the dust will come a song. Those asleep will be awakened. <laughs> Not a one will be forsaken. He shall wipe away our tears. He will steal away our fears. There will be no sad tomorrow. <laughs> there will be no pain and sorrow. There's no more bite, guys. Death is dead. Have you received, have you been given your own resurrection story? Today's your day. Today is your day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again. And dear Jesus, thank you for paying our penalty, taking our sins upon you. You who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. If there's anyone here that does not know you as Savior, may they just acknowledge May they admit that they are a sinner, confess and repent of their sins. May they believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross in their place for their sins. And you rose again from the dead, defeating sin, death, Satan, and hell forever. And may they call upon the name of the Lord, call upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They will be saved. Your word promises that. 
Romans 10, 9 and 10. It is a promise forever, sealed with the Holy Spirit. May they not leave here today without getting salvation from you. It's for free. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.